0: Hello, Tend Her Wild podcast listeners. It's Kate and I here today, and we are going to talk about women finding their voices, a topic that we both have been swirling around for, I don't know, for me, several decades. And we thought we'd dive a little bit deeper into why it's hard for us, our own personal stories around it, and then... What do we do to be able to speak up and feel heard and be
1: heard and tell truth? Yeah, very powerful topic, especially I feel like lately uh, in the world, I feel like it's becoming more and more imperative that we use our voices,, yeah. in you know the different places where we are, whether it's workplaces or homes or um, with our friends and um, in our communities. Yeah, absolutely. so I think it's really timely and feels like there's a movement happening around this, and I think our personal stories are are very in keeping with kind of the the trend for this at our ages. I think yes. a lot of women find it mid midlife. They start um, to have a voice. Uh-huh. But
0: I think we must start that in general for hundreds, if not thousands of years. Women have been ignored, ridiculed, punished, and sometimes even killed for yes. their opinions and yeah. their voice. So it's not without good reason right. that we have not
1: exactly and not there, use it.
0: and and I think there's this sort of wound of the patriarchy is that we doubt who we are, so we doubt our voice, we doubt our instinct, we um, believe that our own experiences. Um, cannot be trusted. That we're overreacting. We're too sensitive, and so there are many reasons why we have learned to swallow our truth. Mm-hmm. And in essence, it's kept us safe at various times throughout history, and maybe even you know more recently. I can think of times when not speaking up um, has helped me feel safe. Right. Uh, so. Again, if you're realizing that, man, it's been hard for me to speak up. I don't know if I have found my voice. There are many good reasons, my dear friends, <laughs> as to why right. we uh, are challenged by really speaking our truths. Yeah,
1: And we've talked before about how there's something that does happen around middle school age. Yes. Where our young girls who are so boisterous and... And using their voice uh, so freely when they're young, suddenly that's, and we talk about that's kind of when we move from our heart to our head and we start worrying about what people think and what we look like yes, and, and comparing one another to, you know, to our, to each other. And so um, I think there's also this natural arc for women of young women of um getting quieter to perhaps be safe or feel like they fit in. Uh, they're more concerned about that. And so part of this is just kind of the way our society has also made this a kind of a pattern. And, and, and our systems have kind of reinforced this, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, the term
0: that I think in many ways encapsulates this is that idea of gaslighting, yeah. which has become sort of a hot word in the last couple of years. But I think of it as um, sort of psychological manipulation that makes a person question their beliefs, their sanity, um, their truths. And I do think that uh, in many ways, women have been gaslighted over the years to buy culture, mm-hmm. to mistrust the truth of their experiences.
1: Right. And when we don't openly share our experiences because of shame or guilt or fear or whatever that is, then other women don't see themselves in other women either. Mm. So I think when women, t- any woman who tells their story, um, suddenly other women say, me too. That's happened yes. to me too. And so it is in the storytelling to me where we can unite and we can encourage one another to own the truth of our own stories and how much we actually have in common uh, and in our experiences. And so, you know, we, we talked about this book, Cass- Cassandra Speaks um, by Elizabeth Lesser and how so many human stories were told by men. Yeah. for so long yep. and one of my favorite parts is just how eve would be portrayed so differently <laughs> if a woman had been <laughs> if writing a
0: woman that story. got to write that story
1: yeah yeah and so i think there's also great power as women's and, and that's why i love have loved this podcast and talking to women about their stories because when one woman shares her story encourages others to own theirs yeah
0: yeah, when one one there's a great quote about yeah, if one right. woman yeah. uh, speaks her truth the world cracks open. Yeah.
1: yeah. So the more that happens, I think the some of these pieces of the patriarchy and the, the systems that don't work the for everybody. Yeah, it's starting to it's cracking. Yeah. And so the more we can as as a collective and individually use our voices, um, that's how everything starts to shift. Yeah. But we
0: both have agreed that our voices were stifled and quieted and shut down uh, for many, many years, for me decades, I believe. And so I'd love to sort of talk through both of our individual stories about how we were silenced and then when we realized, because I don't think I realized I was silenced until later in life and then how we sort of began to find our voice Mm -hmm. so what do you think your story is with finding
1: your voice your unique voice I think I used my voice a lot as a child and in my early years and then I think
0: listen do you clear your throat throat) (laughs) using
1: our voices here yeah
0: Before we started, we were laughing. We're like, we got to get water. We got to
1: get water. What if our voices start cracking? Here we're Mm -hmm. talking about the voice today. Yeah, Yeah, so much lives in the throat. Yeah, Um, it does. So I think then I've talked about kind of getting into school and learning to be the good girl and being quiet was rewarded. So I got a little quieter, probably in elementary school. And then in middle school for me, very similar, you know, the competition starts with girls. And so I I became a little more careful about, you know, talking too much or, you know, a lot of times that's when drama happens. And so, you know, trying to stay out of that also quieted me and and I didn't always stand up for myself um, during certain moments. I I found myself a a voice a little more in college. Um, because I suddenly was in this bigger environment and it felt safer. It was such a freeing time for me. Uh, I had great friends. And I kind of found myself mm. again, I think, in college. And then I picked a profession that's all about using your voice.
0: which is a lawyer, law.
1: right. Yes, but when I got there, there's so much. For me, I, I felt there was so much. <laughs> the first day of law school is like, how you know, there was it was like a challenge laid down by certain professors of, you know, I will call on you and mm. I will tell you when to speak. Ooh. And so that environment for me shut me right down. I was I remember sitting there thinking, do not call on me. Did I, you get called on? Oh yeah. What? I mean and did oh, you freeze was, or Um I I always tried to be prepared. So, and of course I she a girl, Kate. yeah, I read everything the night before. So I would be ready, but I did not feel empowered. I did not feel that experience for me was traumatic very, it yes, like. it was traumatic it was. Yeah. Um, I was there weren't there were a lot of women in my law school class. We had, you know, there was much more equality as far as like gender, but the system was still very patriarchal. yeah, most of my professors were men. And, you know, applying for jobs. I was interviewing with a lot of men and there was expectations on dress like a man when you go to your interview and so all these things I used I, I had a lot of discernment about using my voice and I kept a lot of things in. So it wasn't
0: this open freedom to just speak what you believed. It I, I that that word is so powerful, discernment, like you had to control in many ways what opinions you shared and what you held back Oh, yeah, to fit into this system.
1: System. Yeah. Yeah, and it did not feel, it was the opposite of college for me. I went from like freedom and it was, you know, where I could explore my views and hear from others to I'm sitting in a room of really smart people. I don't want to embarrass myself. I don't know if I'll, be able to speak in the way that is expected. If I'll, you know, be able to talk about this case in a way that my professor will, you know, admonish me or, or tell me, you know, I'm correct. And so I avoided using my voice at every turn until I had to. Mm. Um, and that was three years of my life. And so I also felt myself losing my spontaneity and my creativity and my my being Wow all during that time and this could be I mean maybe others I'm sure others have had different experiences but for me I it was like landing in the middle of a foreign country and not feeling like um, I just was trying to to stay Survive. alive <laughs> yeah yeah and then um, and then I I ironically moved into doing trial work after that. And so I did need to use my voice, but even that was very prescribed. There was a, there was, there's a process that you do in trial and, and it was, there was not freedom in that process. It was very scripted. And so just the, that system itself for me, I, and it was probably my own interpretation of it, but I, it really closed my yeah. my voice off. And then, you know, just in life, traumas, things that happened you know, on a personal level, probably closed it even a little more and a little more and and it really wasn't until probably the last five to eight years that I was like, "I don't know where my voice has gone. Mm. I was still being very discerning about using it, careful, mm-hmm. don't make a mistake, don't say the wrong thing You're perfectly, mm-hmm. yeah, I feel like it's really. Uh,
0: ironic that you did choose a profession where you literally were relying on your voice and your capacity to communicate in your job on a daily basis and yet it was a very constricted narrow version of using your voice so like I could see the confusion in that and one level you felt like I do have a voice I do have Uh, Agency. I do have this capacity to express myself, but it was so limited. You were really like another party was having to completely monitor what you said. And am I saying it correctly? And am I prepared? And instead of it being sort of from the deep part of yourself, your truth, it was I have to prepare the right things to say, to say at the right moments. Yeah. Versus you just being more off the cuff and trusting your instinct.
1: Yeah. I didn't feel authentic in how I practice law really. I I, I felt, um, I felt very much in a box and, uh, yeah. And so moving out of that
0: was, you said four or five years ago, you feel like is when you really started to find your voice. What was that process like for you?
1: Well, I mean, part of it is, you know, you have those big monumental birthdays and you have things in your life that, that kind of indicate, oh, maybe I'm not really stepping into my power and life starts to feel a little shorter. And I think, you know, I made the decision, um, I'm still very discerning, but I also started on a journey of being more open and being, um, sharing more of myself and my authentic self. I think starting those retreats with Mm -hmm. you, the Her Experience Mm -hmm. retreats and holding space for others was in part to hold space for myself, yeah, to do that Beautiful. looking back. And so um, and then I did feel less alone in sharing myself. and I think I think I never really had that community. My community, I didn't find that until the last seven or eight years yeah. where I really felt a community where I could be myself. I was part of a lot of communities, but I was, I had to conform. I had to be a certain
0: way. Yeah. Like I keep envisioning you have this like wide open channel voice where all your truth can come out and yours was just like really constricted. It was like this narrow little straw that mm-hmm. you could say specific things, but you couldn't say other things and you were always monitoring that. Yeah. Would that be correct? Is that a oh, yeah. that vision was just coming into my mind as yeah. you were speaking? And
1: all of that chatter in your head about, you know, oops, Oh, can't say that. Don't say that. Not the right D- yep. place. Right. Hold <clears throat> that one back. And so also being very much in my head. I mean, I've, I spent the first 40 years of my life, well, not that first 40, I would say, from about college probably. on. My adulthood, yeah. really living in my head. And that was in, that that kind of tapping into my own heart and my authenticity. And then I, I did have, about 10 years ago, started having thyroid trouble. Mm. And I literally had pain in my I think I've talked to you about this, but, um, I was hyperthyroidism, and then I went to hypo and for about a year I was on medication and, but, and my thigh, I had a virus, they thought that like kicked it off. Mm. And so part of my thyroid is damaged now. She's touching her throat I right am- now the whole time she's I talking am- about this. It's because I had a lot of throat pain. Yeah. Like, it, would, it would kind of pulsate. And I know people are going to probably think I'm crazy. I think oh, you I'm, know I'm not going to Kate. Well, you know I'm
0: all on board with you around this stuff.
1: A couple months into doing this podcast, it went away. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Woo. I think when I really, really allowed myself to, to speak, speak, my I don't I have not had anything since, and I get I'm monitored every year, and there hasn't been any problems.
0: Wow. So but I, you also started to get more free around lots of things yes. around this time. I'm not saying that it wasn't the podcast, no. but you you really instead of like your story of like I had to be so discerning, I had to be so controlling about what I could say, and I had to be so prepared so that my you know words were correct. Like you started to break out of that right. and push against that um, several years ago, which I'm sure is part of
1: the freeing up of yeah. Well, and my head and my heart were not aligned mm. for so long. And so once I started really thinking about what it is I wanted and tapping into my heart I also feel like all that constriction in between the two started yeah. to dissipate.
0: They say the the longest journey is between your head and your heart mm. which I think is really amazing to think that you know we have so many ideas in our head that don't align with our heart or vice versa and right. so it's a really long journey to kind of really connect these yeah. two aspects of our being. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So mm. I, it's, I'm a work in progress when it comes to using my voice still. Um, we all are. So yeah, it will Especially be the work of my women, life. as women, I think. Yeah. But I, there has been great power in being around others, sharing their stories and using their voices. And so it's almost contagious once you hear mm. other women do that. That we I are. hope we're doing that in this podcast too, too. is that right. by right. you That's and I, mean. I speaking so
0: authentically and honestly and yeah. raw, which scares the bejesus <laughs> out of us half
1: the time. I know, and that then I think we some hope those... that
0: other women, yeah, you know, there's some encouragement to to do the same.
1: Right. And it's and releasing and using your voice and releasing what's there is is freeing. Mm. So I also think for me, being able to speak more freely has created more space for me to be creative it's created just just more space for me in general yeah because when you're holding everything in yeah, stuffing it down I mean it lives in your body we've talked about all that but it also it sits it just sits there and I think emotion sits with whatever's there too I find myself moving through emotions quicker you know just release yeah. that constant kind of letting it out yeah um And I'm not walking around like yelling from the rooftops or anything. But I just, I don't, I, you know, when something's bothering me in my personal life or professionally. You don't hold back. I don't hold back. And I, you can do that with kindness. It's not that, you know, that's always been one of the things that. (laughs) Brene Brown says clear
0: is kind
1: and unclear
0: is unkind when it's hard for women because we've been conditioned to believe that we have to be nice all the time and polite but kindness can be speaking truth. But kindness is being truthful and actually having the hard conversations that happen, right, in life. Yeah. So what
1: about you? How's your journey been for?
0: Yeah, this? it has been a rocky journey mm-hmm. and yeah, I think from an early time I was shy. I held back my voice. I was um a super sensitive child. And now I realize I was a very intuitive child. And so I was really feeling and picking up a lot in my environment, which um, can be unsafe for a child, especially when you're tuning into unseen things that no one else is sensing. Uh, so I learned to kind of hold a lot of that in. Um, I don't think I even realized how much I was holding my voice back. I mean, in school, I was very studious, but I certainly wasn't the one raising her hand asking questions all the time. I was just sort of sitting back listening, uh, not necessarily uh, speaking forth a lot, Um, although I did have you know, leadership qualities where I would sort of force myself to step up and speak up, speak out, Uh, but never similar to you being very discerning, like always avoiding topics that were controversial, Mm -hmm. always avoiding conversations that could result in me not being liked or me Uh, being in a position where people would reject me. So similar to you, a lot of discernment, a lot of uh, filtering. In fact, I remember in college, one of the first friends that I met in that week prior to when classes start, I met a friend who is still one of my dearest best friends And she was the most unfiltered person I'd ever met in my life. Like she just said whatever was on her head, whatever was on her mind. And it was almost to a shocking place where I'd be like, (laughs) oh, my God, did you just say that? But I was so drawn to the freedom that she experienced or what I believe she experienced by just saying things off the cuff, not worrying how it landed um, And wanting that, but on one level realizing I didn't have that and I wouldn't get that for many, many years. And I'm not even sure I'm to the level that she, the freedom she felt just yeah. to speak her truth all the time. Um, But, but realizing my love for her was so connected to just that. Freedom of speech that she just let fly all the time. Sometimes to her big detriment.
1: <laughs> but it, like, whoa, I can't believe you just said that. You know, and that when we see those qualities in other people and we have that kind of, we're drawn to it. Yeah. It's usually an indication that it's something we need more of. Totally In our own life. Totally. So, yeah. yeah it, but it's funny that you got to college and saw that. <clears throat> it just yeah. shows you how our generation... That was a rarity. Right, exactly.
0: Yeah, and I similar to you, I think college was an opening for me, a space to experiment with things. But you know, similar to you, I chose the path of higher education, and that's a system where you learn to speak in a measured way, an academic way, a way, for me at least, that had data backing it up. Mm-hmm. Um, and so again, there wasn't... There still controls. There were still controls about all of it. Um so again, I think just in general, your story and my story and many women, it's that we're conditioned to hold back, to not take up space, to not share our opinion, to not um be as forthright to doubt our to doubt ourselves. And so it wasn't until, and I am very clear on when this was, I was in my four, it was, I turned 40 and I was having repetitive strep throat in the course of a year. I think I had like eight bouts of it and I would take antibiotics. I would get off the antibiotics. It would come back and it, was so frustrating to me, but I remember in the course of that year, as we were medically trying to figure out what was going on, I looked up the reasons for throat problems in Louise Hay's book, You Can Heal Your Life. And uh, throat problems, at least according to Louise Hay, who is sort of a mind-body pioneer, was the inability to speak up for yourself, swallowed anger, stifled creativity and a refusal to change. And every one of those was going on was going on for me. So my inability to speak up for myself, I just think that was a long-term thing over the years of um being a people pleaser, not wanting to put anyone out, not being too needy or too much, right? So, just not really speaking up for myself and what I needed. And then the swallowed anger, I, I realized that this all started about a year or two after I had had my three children. And with my third, I had a, C, a scheduled C section. I really wanted to birth my third baby naturally, the way that I had done. With my prior two, but my second baby was very big. It was a boy and I, I had, he was almost 10 pounds.
1: Wow. Yeah. I didn't that.
0: And so he had something called shoulder dystocia, which means his head came out and then he got stuck. So it was scary. And so it was scary. I didn't know it was scary because I was in labor land. Uh,
1: (laughs) But I also was doing it
0: naturally. And so they couldn't like give me an episiotomy. They were trying to get him unhooked and out. So because of that, by the time I got pregnant with my third, they said, we won't deliver you. Like vaginal delivery, you know, it's too much of a risk because you've already had a shoulder dystocia. So you need to do C-section. And I was so distraught by this. And I know it's different. Every woman has different desires for their labor and their delivery. But for me, I really had been working and part of my study and my career has been this mind-body connection. And I really trusted that my body could do this. And my third, we knew it was a girl. I was measuring much smaller. I remember having all these conversations with my doctor. Now, if I would happen to go two weeks early, would you would you let me go? Because, you know, was trying to like negotiate all these things about like, do I really have to have the C section? And and they were all really these medical professionals were pretty adamant. Now, you know, I had gone to a midwife and they said, yeah, we, we'd we be happy to try to help you birth naturally. Um, but it was going to have to be in our home. And my spouse wasn't so sure about that. Yeah. And so anyway, I had the C-section. But what happened is I got allergic to one of the anesthesias they used. I like dry heave for 24 hours after the birth. I didn't get to really bond and hold the baby in the way I wanted to. And then more than that, I had so much pain at my incision site. And even to this day, I just started PT 11 years after this birth because that scar is still so painful and my hip is sort of pulled up very tightly. And so I think I had a lot of anger at- No one listened to you. No one listened to me. I believed I could do it. I asked for what I wanted. How big I was I spoke Greta? up. She was less than eight pounds. Oh, yeah. Right. And so I think that the the throat stuff that manifested for me was that I tried to speak up and no one listened. No one, you know, would kind of follow my desires. And I doubted myself. Mm-hmm. So there was one part of me that knew I can do this. I know that my body is capable of this. I know this birth is going to be a different experience. Like I, I know I can do this, but I doubted Because this, the medical professionals doubted me, right? Mm -hmm. Like they didn't think it would be okay. And so I didn't trust my instincts. And so I had a lot of swallowed anger. And I think it all kind of started to come out in my throat several years later. Um, So I think the throat is a barometer. It's Mm. it's really interesting that both you and I had throat issues. Yeah. At similar ages. Yeah, right about that forty year old forty year cusp. And similar to you, I don't think that I fully stepped into my voice. So even though that forty year time point was my moment of realizing that I had stifled a lot, I'd pushed a lot down, I wasn't really speaking up. It wasn't until I believe the start of the pandemic that I started to more courageously step into my voice. And that was when businesses were changing and I had to take my yoga business and mm-hmm. my teaching online. And I had to like put myself out there in a new way. And I remember I was
1: terrified. But I was I will so say, scared. You did such a good job with that. And it was brave. It and cr- it forced and me to creative speak. Creative and courageous. Yes. Yeah.
0: And to speak up, mm-hmm. to realize that I had something to share, to say, yeah. to teach to a collective that was overwhelmed with what was happening. And so I think that's when I was um, pushed into being more open with my voice. Yeah. But it still terrifies me to this day. Every time we get on these microphones and <laughs> we, we're sharing and being vulnerable, it's, there's, there's sort of a niggling fear of like, are we allowed to do this? Am I allowed to speak that? What will somebody think? Mm-hmm. Is this Okay. Am I am I an so imposter here, right? Yeah. So I think um, it's still similar to you. It's a whole process of continuing to be in my voice and then falling away from my voice and then yeah. trying to realign with it.
1: And I've, I've often reflected that I think part of the magic for us is being together and doing this. Yeah, there's more courage. There's more courage. And women are meant to be collaborative and and to connect yes and so if you are looking to you know step in and use your voice in a new way find someone that you can do that with because there is such beauty in in having partnership in that that um i think we give each other courage when we need it and and that's i think that's naturally how women are and so, so much of our world and our systems keep us separated from each other and competitive with each other. And so when these things happen that you can come together and partner, and it may just be, you know, I have friends I go on a walk with, and I mean, we walk and we just talk, talk, talk. Like, it's it's yeah. just the coming together. But don't you think that, to me, at
0: least in my mind, I feel that there's a difference between the common Because I think women have always talked. Like, I think we are communicative. We need to speak to each other. We share stories with one another. But I sort of feel like what we're talking about today is elevating it to the next step, which is speaking to the world, being able to have opinions that you put out there, being in leadership, telling, you know... Telling the truth to the school board, um, speaking up at work when you see something that's not going the way that you believe is ethical or moral, right? Like it, it's taking it to another level besides just having coffee with a friend and absolutely talking about what you're
1: frustrated with. Yeah, and and so many times. Not that there's it's, anything wrong with speaking to your friends, I, I, I no. totally am behind that. But I think, but also encourage
0: one to Step yeah. up and out to yeah. be more vocal in the world because I think the world needs women, yes. trusting themselves. We are so instinctual as women. We are so intuitive as women, and our world really needs those intuitions right now 100%. to get us back.
1: On track and to help heal all that our planet is going through. Yeah. I don't think it's ever been more important than now for women to use their voices. Yeah. And I think when I say women supporting women, like if you are, if you hear a woman speak up, champion that, champion it, get behind her, second that. Yes. Because I think that's how we collectively empower one another versus you know pulling each other it's the crab bucket again you know yeah. pulling each other down so and i do have some faith that this younger generation seems to be using their voice and they have more platforms they're not waiting until 40 they're like not. not. They're, <laughs> they're not until yeah and so i i think that that's there's a lot of hope in that and um i mean i learn a lot from my 23 year old daughter mm. about using your voice and, and her friends and kind of watching them navigate the world. They have way more coming at them. They have a lot of platforms to use their voice. But they also, I think, have not tapped out of themselves as much mm. as our stories. I I, I do think that, that there's, there's more freedom for them to continue to be who they are. Um, there's still a lot of work to do, but... But it does feel a little more. Uh, just it feels it feels yeah. like this
0: next generation. Is and you different. came in here this morning all on fire because on your drive here, you were listening to Taylor Swift, who is of the younger generation. Oh, yeah. She's younger than us. And tell me what you what you learned about Taylor. Well, this
1: is the the big day of her release of. Well, she's been releasing a lot of her albums. Like re-releasing, re-releasing them. Taylor's versions, but today is the "Speak Now" one. Speak which now. Sme- speak now. Um, and so this one is in, uh, especially powerful because it has a lot to do with the relationship breakup, and and people have been anticipating this one being re-released. And she's changed some lyrics. She's she's recreated some of these songs. I believe in how I've read them that to be more authentic to the actual experience now that she's older and wiser and maybe she feels more freedom to actually freedom. speak the truth. Whereas yes. before similar to you and yes. my story is she had to
0: discern, well, I can't really say that cause yep. I might piss this person off or, yeah.
1: and she was working for a male dominated industry that was telling her how maybe, to be. She to, and, I think she wanted to name it enchanted and they're like, Oh, that's too sweet. <laughs> Her original version, so um, so. There is also she's she's really taken back her music and her voice and her stories, and so and created this phenomenon this summer of women of all generations coming to her shows, and you know from very young to old, you know that connect with her music. Yeah. And so I also think there she iconic voice. Yes. I like for this time. And so, um, yeah. So, you know, my daughter went a few weeks ago and we kind of talked about like that experience and how it's created kind of this movement. Yeah. And, you know, it's for her at 23, like this is someone that she sees using her voice, um, stepping into her power, you know, giving back and, and not being apologetic about, you know, where she's at in life and her experiences. And she doesn't do it in a way. I mean, she even cautions her fans, like, you don't need to send angry tweets at my exes. I'm not asking you to do that. This is my, you know, the Swifties would do that. They would. And some (laughs) of them still do. I'm certain, but that's not her goal. Her goal is to show, like, I can stand in my truth and in my story. And we're all allowed to stand in our truth and in our story. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of power in that. It was just ironic that we were talking about our voice today. And I woke up this morning. I was like, oh,
0: yeah, timely. And I want to share a movie that I just saw on a plane, which was so powerful, called uh, Women Talking. It actually got the Academy Award here for the best screenplay. Sarah Polly is the was the director and I believe the writer. Um, and I don't want to give up too much about it, but I do think every woman should watch this really powerful movie, mm-hmm. um, which is it's. I believe it's a fictitious story, but I think it's based on yeah. um, some actual events of women in a Mennonite community. Uh, going through collectively some trauma and getting together as women and talking through what the options were, trying to speak up within this uh, community about what they were going to do. And there's so many aspects to this movie that were just so moving and raw and chilling. And uh, so I, you know, we'll put some information about it in the show notes, but if you're Wanting to sort of be inspired by some really amazing art, um, I do recommend women talking
1: and I was it it struck me that you know back to this book, Cassandra speaks and how men have traditionally told our stories when women are telling the stories, when women are directing the movies, when women are choosing the the screenplays to make movies out of, um, when they are the you know releasing their own music and in charge of their own um lyrics and and naming their songs that's the shift that's happening yeah women are now getting behind the stories that need to be told yeah so and and you don't have to be famous to do that it's it's on all of us to Mm -hmm. say it's time to be honest about you know, well, I just even up. think
0: about the Me Too movement, mm-hmm. right? That was a change in the story, right? Of women speaking up and and backing each other. Yes,
1: yeah. In our lifetime, I mean, in our lifetime huge, huge difference in how many how many women have stuffed those experiences down, felt like they were the only one that they made. They had shame, they had guilt, they had self doubt. Yeah, all, and all needs to things. stay Secret
0: and yeah. the freedom of being able to. Uh, speak it.
1: Yeah. And so back to your point, being able to use your voice and releasing that also frees up your creativity and your, what you have time to give back to the world and like opens you up in a way. And, and then women are showing up differently in the world and taking on things as leaders. And so I, I think there's great wisdom in, in, in the power of, uh, the, the collective has to use our voice, but also individually you will, you, I know for myself and I'm only speaking for myself is that by feeling like I'm using my voice, I, I feel free to try new things. I'm taking bigger risks. I'm, um, I'm more excited about the day to day because I'm not constantly, Filtering and yeah. and and so it, it's a different way of living, and there's great freedom, yeah, in releasing it. Yeah, agreed. So let's talk about
0: uh, ways that women can find their voice, exercise their voice, uh, not be so filtered around what we say. Yeah. Um, and you have some really, I think, wise ideas from some well-known women about how to use your voice.
1: Yeah. So I found this great piece about you know women um, using their own voice. So advice from influential women on how to trust your true voice and make your voice heard. One of them is trust your outrage. Um, trust your own outrage. When your gut tells you something is wrong, trust that. Yeah. And it's not just for you. It's for other people who might not be able to speak as loudly or as clearly as you might be able to Part of your responsibility as a person who cares about people is to trust your own outrage and speak about it. Who said that? Courtney Martin. She's an author, uh, speaker, and a blogger. And, you know, this makes me think of advocacy. And as you know, that's very close to my heart of, like, how are we speaking out for others? And I think we are in a critical time in this country, especially, um, to speak out for those that cannot. Yeah. And... We hold that as women, um, the compassion, the feminine of taking care of others, of the connectivity, connection. Yes, so we relationships. need to own that. That's that's a responsibility we have, because if we don't, um, I I fear for kind of you know the direction yeah. some of these things are going. So, and we did an episode
0: on anger oh, that yeah. we'll also post, um, but I I think. Traditionally, women have been conditioned to not be angry or to not show anger. So I love this idea that we must trust it. And again, I think this is the condition we've learned is to not trust our instincts, not trust what our feelings are. And what we're saying is, no, if you feel outraged and angry about something, trust it. It's a guidepost to you right. about what <clears throat> isn't working or what might need to be changed. Yeah. What else do you have?
1: So Melissa Etheridge had this to say, speak your truth.
0: She was one of my college major song crushes. I remember we used to sing Melissa Etheridge in my college dorm all the time.
1: Yeah. I remember going one of my first concerts with my husband was Melissa Etheridge. Really? Yeah. She says, I am constantly amazed at how courageous and radical speaking the truth is. The most activist thing you can do is just speak the truth and search for the truth. And just follow that trail.
0: Mm.
1: So um, another great piece of advice of speaking the truth. Um,
0: And what I will say is that I believe as women, we don't often know our truth. And that is, again, because we've been silenced, we've been conditioned away from it. And so to find your authentic truth means that you have to dip under the surface of all of the swirling emotions and traumas and busyness and kid activities. And you actually have to do the inner work. You have to sort of remove yourself from the busyness, even if it's 20 minutes a day, do the meditation, do the journaling, do the silent contemplation, ask yourself the hard questions to really find the truth. To be able to go because I think I didn't know my truth for years because um, it was so buried and I had to remove so many layers Mm -hmm. that were on top of what I really believed the truth of why I was here, the truth of why I felt the way I did. So I just encourage women, which is a theme of our Mm -hmm. podcast, we are responsible. To go in and do our inner work and clear away all that is in the way of us remembering our truth.
1: Yes. Yeah, and, and when you get to our age, it's a lot of layers. <laughs> There's a lot of damn layers that <laughs> yeah. you have to
0: pick through. Yeah. But it's, it's worth the it's effort. I think it's 100% worth the effort. And it's how we then can step up and be the radical change that our planet needs right now. Yeah. Okay, give us one more.
1: One more, okay. This is Elizabeth Lesser who says, be yourself. Mm -hmm. So getting back to that, knowing your truth. She says, stand firmly in what you know in your heart of hearts. Be exactly who you are, unapologetically, and with great passion and positivity. Cultivate an inner courage to speak your truth, and out of it, action comes.
0: Mm -hmm. I also love her word unapologetically Yes, because I often think as women, we apologize for our truth or we um, express like, oh, I'm sorry, but I need to say this. No, we don't need to apologize. Our truth is our truth.
1: I said this week to my husband, I'm sorry that what you said upset me. And I stopped myself (laughs) and I said, actually, I'm not sorry. What you said upset upset me. me. (laughs) I caught myself starting with the apology. Yeah. And it is interesting when you when you go through your day, how many times that word sorry might be coming up for you? Yeah. How many times we apologize when we shouldn't be apologizing? Yeah. Totally. Okay, well, I think we
0: need to champion a woman. So the woman we would like to champion around speaking your truth is Judge Rosemary Aquilina. And she was the judge that sentenced Dr. Nasser, who, if you remember, he was the doctor who sexually abused hundreds of female athletes under the guise of medical treatment. And Judge Aquilina, not only did she sentence Dr. Nasser to up to 100, 175 years behind bars, um, she set a new precedent in the courtroom by allowing time for more than 150 women to deliver their victim impact statement. So she allowed all these women to speak their truth. Yes. To speak up for Dr. Nassar to hear the impact he'd had on these women's life. And the world. Life, how he had
1: ruined. Yeah. Um, the whole world. And their whole world. Got listened. To, got to hear. Yeah. Um, yeah. I. Uh, I remember when this happened and I watched the documentary and having been a prosecutor for years and working with victims, the he, part of the healing is being able, if you are able to sit in front of, you know, someone that has harmed you and whether you write a statement or you say it out loud, there is healing that happens and the healing that happened collectively in that group yeah. became a very tight knit group of women, right? Yeah. Cause they'd shared that experience um, and then the individual healing, I can't, it, it, it was so necessary and so powerful because I've, yeah, I've never seen a, a case where there were so many. Yeah. And that she allowed every that much time, yeah
0: that much space for
1: every single yeah. woman
0: to read their statement. So we just want to honor and bow to Judge Aquilina for the powerful um, sort of title change that she brought um, and for allowing so many women to speak.
1: Yep. Speaking truth to power for sure. So we encourage all of you to continue to use our, your voice and encourage others along the way, um, uh, because it's, there's so much power in. And creativity. Yes. And the world
0: needs your voice. Yes. Thanks, Thanks Kate.
1: Hello listeners. We want to let you know that we have so much gratitude that you join us in these conversations every week. We want to continue to uplift and connect with women-owned businesses and businesses that are supporting women. So if you are one of those or have a recommendation for someone that may want to sponsor an episode, please have them reach out at tendherwild.com.
0: If you are needing a reprieve from the fast pace of our modern life and want to connect a little deeper to yourself, I would love to see you at my next retreat, which happens to be in the Cork countryside of Ireland, this September 24th through the 30th. You can join Kate, myself and Kimberly at this retreat. And it's falling at a very auspicious time because we will just move through the fall equinox and we're moving to days that are shorter. So this is the perfect time of year to begin to draw inward, to slow down, and to really drink in the beauty, which will be rampant in Ireland in the fall, uh, to sort of support you and nurture you over the winter months. If you are curious about this retreat, you can check out more and how to register for this. We have, I believe, just a couple
1: spots left uh, in the show notes. I can't wait. I can't either. (laughs) Today's episode is sponsored by... Kate Moreland Coaching, and Heartland Yoga. As a coach, I am an advocate for authenticity and well-being for individuals, organizations, and communities. Through my coaching work, I like to help you connect to your authenticity. Whether you're an individual, a leader, or an organization, your creative power lies in your authenticity. Doing the work to understand your strengths and acknowledge the patterns and rocks that are in your way is the path to well-being. Whether it's your career or your relationship with yourself or others, transformative change begins within. You can reach me at katemorlandcoaching.com. Heartland Yoga has been in
0: business for nearly 15 years. I founded this studio with the intention for it to be a safe place where people could come and heal. I also knew that I wanted a business that fostered community and connection. So if you are looking to deepen your yoga practice, heal from physical, emotional, mental wounds, or simply connect with people who are like-minded, Heartland Yoga is a place that we would love to welcome you into, whether it's online or in person. You can find out more information at www.heartlandyoga.com.
1: And now the amazing singer-songwriter Lissy Morris with Wild West. Thanks for joining us today. If you like this podcast, please subscribe,
0: rate, and review. Come back and rewild with us again next week.